0: Are you ready to hear the word? I'm fired up. I am fired up. Welcome to week two of Lifestyle, learning to live the lifestyle of Jesus. We talked about this last week. If you weren't here last week, I want you to make me a promise that you will watch every single sermon in this series and study the scriptures attached to those sermons because I really believe that 2020, my job is to prepare you for increase. We love to throw that word increase out, but we don't throw the word preparation out. Most people who are believing for increase would prepare, and I would challenge your belief for increase if you're doing nothing to prepare for it because most of why people don't have what God wants for them is not because God doesn't want to give it to them or because they don't want it. It's because they're not ready for it. I thought I was ready for this position five years before I was, and God waited to give it to me because he wanted to prepare me for what he wanted to give to me, because if I'm not prepared for what I get, I don't keep what he gives, and I'll end up in a cycle. Anybody get caught up in a cycle sometimes? So when I'm telling you to come to church, I'm not telling you to come to church because I like a crowd. I'm telling you to come to church because you are a part of a movement where God has ordained Oasis Church. I don't know why. Who are we? We are the least of these. But for some reason, I believe God has chosen this church to be the catalyst of a move of his spirit everywhere we go. Does anybody believe that with me or is it just me? Somebody say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. You have been selected. You are not an accident. There was not an explosion. And all of a sudden, a molecule became a monkey became you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God says, I formed you in your mother's womb, and I gave you a purpose. And this year is going to be the fulfillment of purpose. And if that's going to happen, we need to learn to live the lifestyle of Jesus Think about this before Jesus gave the disciples his Holy Spirit, he modeled lifestyle for them. He modeled lifestyle. The lifestyle preceded the power, the lifestyle preceded the power. And so I want to encourage you today to engage in the word of God. The word of God will transform you. It'll shift things in your life. Watch every sermon from this sermon series even if you didn't make it to church and study the word of God for yourself. Don't just believe me. Believe don't just believe what you hear. Yeah. Believe what was revealed in your own time with God. So we're going to take a look at 1 Samuel verse uh, chapter 5 verses 1 through 8. Just real quick eight verses in in chapter 5 from 1 Samuel. It says, after the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. I could preach right there because Ebenezer means help, Ashdod means stronghold. So they took it from from help to stronghold. And I want to tell somebody, it has nothing to do with my message, but if you you don't let God help, you will end up in the enemy's stronghold. God, the enemy tries to move you from help to being in a stronghold. See, before you end up in a stronghold, you feel guilty that you need help. You ever ask somebody to borrow some money and you apologize before you ask to borrow it? Come on, who's done that? You need some money and you say, I'm so sorry, but can you, listen, I've been delivered of that. Any of y'all get some money, I will come right up to you. I've been set free and delivered. Let me find out you won the lottery, and I swear to you, I will come to you and ask for a Tesla with no shame and no guilt in the name of Jesus. I've been set free. Set free. Let me find out you won the Powerball. I will come to your wallet with boldness in the name of Jesus. So before you stop asking for help, you start feeling guilty that you need it, and you end up moving from Ebenezer to Ashdod, from help to the enemy's stronghold. And it says they they carried the Ark of God, which represents the presence of God, into the temple of of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. They literally captured the presence of God. Excuse me. They captured the container of the presence of God and put it next to their idol. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it in the morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the Ark of the Lord. Woo! Woo! So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord. This, This picture of face down before the ark of the Lord is the same picture, the same word as when the worshipers got face down before the ark of the Lord. So, so there was intentional that they're bringing up that the idol was face down. Because there's certain things that if you get next to God, even if you didn't have any intentions on worshiping. See, we just need to get people close to God. We don't need to be worried about their habits. We don't need to be worried about what they're smoking. We don't need to be worried about their drinking. Matter of fact, if you get them in the glory of the Lord, you're going to find some people that was in the club on their face. Did you hear what I just said? We got to stop judging people and be carriers of of the presence of God, because you will see people go from drugs to worship just because of the glory of the Lord. Does anybody hear what I'm saying right now? The church needs some glory. Yes, we need teaching. Yes, we need preaching. Yes, we need connect groups. But what we need is the glory of God, because that'll put somebody on their face at the 9 a.m. service. It says the temple In the idol in the temple ended up on its face before the ark of the Lord. And the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. But this time, its head and hands had, had been broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of the body was left intact. This is why to this day, neither the priest of Dagon nor anyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod will step on its threshold. Then the Lord's heavy hand struck the people of Ashdod and the nearby villages with a plague of tumors. When the people realized what was happening, they cried out, we can't keep the ark of God in Israel here any longer. He is against us. We will all be destroyed along with Dagon, our God. Notice they said... We can't keep the ark of God, of Israel. He is against us. He wasn't necessarily against them in this moment. He was against the idol they had set up. He was against the idol that was set up. I wonder if God is against something that you've replaced him with. He says, so they called together the rulers of the Philistine towns and asked, what should we do with the ark of the God of Israel? The rulers discussed and replied, move it to the town of Gath. So they moved the ark of God of Israel to Gath. And and, and here we are in this dilemma. And I want to just tell you, when we, we are talking about learning to live the lifestyle of Jesus, you have to understand why we have such a need for the gospel. Why did Jesus have to come? Like, Why? What, what, what made Jesus, who was next to God, the Bible says he's been with God for all of creation, what made Jesus put on human skin and come down to earth? And last week we talked about Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 through 3, and I talked about how if you really want to know where humanity get wrong, went wrong, you got to become a scholar of Genesis 1 through 3 so you don't repeat the mistakes that got us in the place where we needed a Savior. I'm grateful that Jesus came and saved me, but I don't want to repeat the reasons that he had to save me in the first place. And the enemy put God in a really strong dilemma in the garden because God was obsessed, love-wise, with Adam and Eve. He's obsessed with you and I. God loves you so much, and the enemy knows that God loves you. So then what did he do in the garden? He put what God hated in who he loved. He knew that God hated sin. So he says, I'm going to put God in the most difficult dilemma. I'm going to put what he hated in who he loved. This is why it's so important to have the love of God in our heart, when it comes to our kids, when it comes to our spouses, when it comes to our pastors, hello? Because if you don't have the love of God in your heart, the enemy will put what you hate in who you love. And then it'll make you distance yourself from who you love, because the enemy put what you hate in who you love. Anybody hate somebody that's late all the time? You hate being late? He'll make sure that everybody close to you is late. The enemy will. He tries to put what you hate in who you love, so he put God in this dilemma where God says, I have to come up with a solution. And the world's solution tells us God now likes sin. He likes you like that. That's what the world tells you, that it's okay. But that's not the solution to what God did, because God says, I, my son, whom I love. This is his solution. He sent his son, watch this, to forgive us of what he hated. But then he made sure that Jesus' spirit, so now then who God loved, was now in who he loved. He removed what he hated yeah. out of who he loved and then put who he loved and what the enemy tried to force him to hate. Do you understand what I just said about the gospel? Jesus removed sin and then didn't stop there. He lives on the inside of us, which now forces God to love us no matter what, because we are a container of who God loves, and the enemy wanted to make us a container of what God hated, and God said, no, 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 no. They're not. I'm going to remove their sin and put the Holy Spirit. So now guess what, devil? I'm taking away sin, and I'm putting in them what I love. Do you hear what I just said? So then what happens now is as believers, we become walking, talking, Ark of the Covenants. Walking, talking, Ark of the Covenants. Why did the Philistines show up to steal the Ark of the Covenant? Because of what it contained. What does John 10 say? The enemy comes to steal. Ooh, I'm preaching. Why does he want to steal your marriage? Why does he want to steal your life? Why does he want to steal the church? Because the church now, like the Ark of the Covenant, contains the glory of the Lord. So the enemy wants it because he knows if he can strip the church of the glory, if he can strip you of the glory, then now... You are held captive. What is the glory? The glory is the manifestation of the goodness of God. You are the new ark of the covenant. You contain the presence of Jesus. And the enemy wants to make us a container for sin. So that we cannot contain what we were always meant to contain. Watch this. Colossians one twenty seven says, to them, you and I, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, this is people who aren't Jewish, are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Anybody want to see God's glory in their finances? Christ in you is the hope of glory. Anybody want to see God's glory in the double I've been preaching about last week? Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's the hope of the full manifestation of God's goodness in every area of your life. Christ in you is your only hope. So he says, I need people to understand that it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. How many people think sin is just a bad thing? Our theology on sin is so bad, y'all. Because it's like sin is when people do bad stuff. Ask a little kid. Sin is when people do bad stuff. Yes, bad stuff. Um, what do we put on the list of bad stuff? Somebody, let's be interactive. Somebody shout out what you think is bad. Huh? Stealing? Huh? Killing? Killing? Oh, that's bad. Come on, right? Lying? What else? throw something else bad. You notice nobody said preaching. You notice nobody said preaching? You know why? Because depending on the motives on why I'm doing what I'm doing makes whether I'm doing it a sin or not. So we got to switch our theology on what sin is because this is what it says in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and have fallen short of what? The glory of God. What is the glory of God? Romans, Exodus 33. Moses asked for the glory of the Lord, and God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the full manifestation of God's goodness in our life. So when you sin, you are falling short of what's better. See, the law and the rules that are in your mind that sometimes religious people says stop it when it comes to sin. Stop it. That's bad. Grace says stop it. I got something better. I got something better. It's not the fact that it's bad. I got something better. You were never meant to be the container of hate, of anger, of frustration, of lust, you were never meant to be the container of that. And so God's saying, when you mess up, you, yeah, there's forgiveness, but don't just think you're doing something bad. I'm falling short of something better. Something better. And this is why the enemy wants to capture the container of the presence of God. You got to understand this. When the Israelites were in Their enemy was Egypt. Egypt wants to keep them enslaved. But then God freed them. And the gospel will free you. Free you from condemnation. Free you from sin. Jesus came to free you. But the Philistines showed up in the promised land. I'm not talking about the enemy of your soul. You have one of those. Somebody, you got Egypt going on right now. And now your process for being in church. God got them out of Egypt, but then it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. But this enemy, the Philistines, I don't know what you got coming against you, but this enemy shows up when you're in the promised land. There's been no recording of the Philistines while... Israel was trying to get up out of Egypt. There was no recording of the Philistines attacking them when they were in the wilderness. These were the Amalekites and other enemies. This enemy showed up when they were in the will of God. They were right where they were supposed to be, and the Philistines showed up. I want to tell you right now, your attack right now is not because you're doing something wrong. It's because you're doing something right. Does anybody? You are right where you are supposed to be. And the Philistines showed up and, and, and attacked them and captured what contained the most valuable thing. You gotta understand this because if we're gonna live the lifestyle of Jesus, we have to answer this question What was I born to contain? What was I born to contain? You ever go into your refrigerator? And you got like some leftover pasta, or something real fire that you want to eat, and it's been in there a couple of days, but you know the seasoning has settled in. That's if you season your food. I don't know. Some of y'all don't season your food, but well, I sliced up a couple of tomatoes in there. It's fine. No, it's not. It's bland and it's nasty. But you open up the container, and you see mold. In the, on the lid of the container, but it ain't quite touched the spaghetti. So you're in a dilemma. You see it on a container, but none is on a spaghetti. And so you're in a dilemma. I'm preaching. It puts you in a dilemma. Now, if you're a germaphobe like me, we are no longer having spaghetti for dinner. (laughs) Nothing wrong with the spaghetti. You put it in there, it was fine, but the container ruined the opportunity. So what happens to us is that if we don't address our container, then, 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 then we're carriers. God will never leave us or forsake us, but it is the container that God asks us to address. When we live the lifestyle of Jesus, God's saying that I can handle. And then when we unify, we become even a bigger container. That's why you can't go home in your prayer closet and not come to church. Because you can only contain so much glory. But God's people together... Being the container for the temple of God, to be in the con- container of the temple of God. I wonder, I'm just just thinking out loud. They have changed the laws for cigarette smoke in California a lot, because they're realizing that if I'm in the presence of a cigarette smoker, then I can be affected by their secondhand smoke. So you got to be careful in a church that completely condones sin because a lot of church people who aren't even sinning are are getting sick from secondhand sin. Anybody been affected from somebody else's sin? Most of what you need to heal from is what somebody did to you. You didn't do it. It was secondhand. So then they changed the laws and the rules on cigarette smoking to protect people who don't smoke. We're going to have to change the rules in this generation so the generation after us doesn't have to deal with secondhand pornography addiction, secondhand secondhand alcoholism, secondhand father not in the house. We got to change the rules and be temples of the glory of the Lord so that our kids don't have to fight the same battles that they didn't have anything to do with. I don't want my kids to fight a secondhand battle that daddy never conquered. I want you to have this in your mind that if you become the container God has always meant you to be, meant for you to be 150 years from now, your great, 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 might be walking in victory. I wasn't even planning on sharing this verse, but can somebody find me Genesis 22 when Abraham, in the NLT, when Abraham obeyed God? Somebody find it for me, and then we're going to jump back into this passage of Scripture. We got to focus on our container. This doesn't just affect the moment. It affects the generations. Watch this. This is when God told Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son. Does everybody know this story? And then, and then Abraham ended up not having to do that. And in Genesis 22, I wasn't even planning on reading this, but in Genesis 22, uh, 15, after Abraham obeyed God, He said, then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, All nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. What is God saying? Your obedience today will determine your descendants' victories tomorrow. We keep praying for the city of Los Angeles, and God says, if you obey and you take care of your temple and you rid yourself of anything with God's grace, I'm talking about a journey, then I will make sure that your descendants don't get defeated in the cities I've called them to. Now, watch this. Some of y'all are like, oh, shoot. Pastor Julian, this is a tough word. No, it's not. It's not. It's easier than you think. Because I want to tell you something. This is what God told me. At Oasis Church, we can all go at different speeds, but we cannot be on different paths. So 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 I'm not telling you that you got to like, okay, this week you got to. But I can't be going left and you all going right. And then when I say double, you all shout. So everybody's, on a, everybody's at a different pace, but we can't be at a different path. Like I'm, I'm saying when we're talking about living for God, living the lifestyle of Jesus, I, I'm, honestly, I'm the lead pastor, so I got to be out in front. That's why sometimes I wish I was an usher. I don't need you necessarily up here, but I do need you at bare minimum somewhere back here say yo Pastor Julian I'm coming I'm limping I'm falling but I'm getting back up wait for me God has something for me too I might be limping I might have that addiction I might have drank last night but don't leave me out I want to get all that God has for me don't leave me out I'm on the way I'm walking slow but I'm walking I'm on the same path you're on you might be running I might be crawling but I'm coming I might be crawling out. I might be scratching out, but I'm coming. Don't leave me out of what God has for me. I'm on the way. I'm on the way. I'll scratch my way out, but I'm coming. If I have to dig through the dirt in my life with a spoon, I'm coming. We can go at different speeds, but we ain't going to be on different paths. Somebody shout, I'm on my way. I might not be in first place, but I'm coming. I'm coming out. Coming out of this thing. I'm, I'm getting a revelation on what my container is supposed to hold. What my container is supposed to hold. I want to take you to this because this is so important. It says in 1 Samuel 5, verses 7 through 8, when the people realized what was happening, It says we can't keep the Ark of the Covenant. Excuse me, 1 Samuel verses 1 through 8 says, after the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they took from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. They carried the Ark of God into the temple and, and, and Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it, the next morning Dagon had fallen with his face on the ground in front of the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. I want to tell somebody, if you want to live the lifestyle of Jesus, don't pick up what God knocks down. (laughs) Because some of y'all are about to pick up something God knocked down. You already defeated. God already defeated that. He already knocked it down. He already knocked out the defense. He already knocked out down the offense. He already knocked down the unforgiveness. He already knocked down that addiction. Don't pick up what God knocks down. Don't do it. Don't do it. They picked it up. They picked it up. And they ended up being defeated by God because of what they picked up. And they picked up what they brought in. See, some of us don't have confidence that we can get the victory because we're being defeated by what we picked up and what we brought in. And I want to prophesy over somebody right now that believers are stepping into a season where the only enemy that can defeat them is the one they bring in. I want to tell you, we got to stop using this word. We're under attack in this season. We have an invited house guest. We're not under attack. He's on the couch, chilling, watching Netflix with you, watching Green Eggs and Ham with your kids, and you making the enemy an omelet, and you wonder why he won't leave. Because you're feeding him with your sin. Some demons you got to starve out of your life. And some of you, you're on a fast in this season, put the enemy on a fast. You can't feed on my fear. You can't feed on my discouragement. You can't feed on my lust. You gotta get out because you're gonna be real hungry in my house. You're gonna be real hungry at Oasis. You better go down the street. I'm not giving you nothing to feed on. You'll leave because I'm going to starve you. You're not gonna feed on my unforgiveness, not one more day. Come on, man, you better put that demon on keto. (laughs) He start losing weight. He's going to be like, it's hard. You got a big old fat, out of shape demon feeding on all your offense, feeding on all your fear, feeding on all your lust, feeding on all your stuff. You're going to have to put him on a cutback. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't have to be perfect, but cut back. Cut back. There's all these diet plans for the body. I'm talking about a diet plan for the soul. Do you hear what I said? Somebody needs to be on soul keto. You hear what I'm saying? I'm putting the enemy on a diet. You ain't about to feed on this generational curse that some of y'all are under a curse that's been over your family since 1800s. 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 And it's going to be broken this year in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. You're not clapping like you believe it. I said, not in my name. Not in your name. In the name of Jesus. Every generational curse is going to be broken off your life in the name of Jesus. So we can walk in the lifestyle as containers of the glory of the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? all this racial tension in the world. And we're going to celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday this month, all this racial tension in the world. And we want to post and we want to complain. And I get it. We're angry. I've complained. I've posted. I've been furious as well. But Martin Luther King said one thing when he stepped out to solve the racial injustice. His last public words were, I'm not fearing any man. For mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So because he had encountered the glory, he was ready to take on the battle. A battle without glory is a defeated Christian. So before you step onto the battlefield, you have to address your container. You have to address your container. We're stepping to a season where the only thing... That can defeat us is what we bring in, is what we bring in, is what we bring in. And here's the thing is I know that God has knocked some things down in your life, maybe finances, maybe relationships, but God will often knock down what he wants to replace. What you have set up next to him. You brought it too close. I know it's your purpose I know you think that's what you're called to do. I know you want to book the audition. I know you want the promotion. But be careful that when next to God, when next to God, you don't have that thing right here because nothing. God says, I'm God. And besides me, there is no other. So when you elevate something beside God, it ends up face down and broken. Now watch this. When you are a container of the glory, when you are the container of the glory, when the enemy tries to set stuff next to you, Woo! I'm going to talk to this side because I don't think they caught it. Okay? I don't think they caught it. Brian, can I just give you a visual? Brian, you need to be fear. Can you be fear? Right? Come on, Brian. Come on. Give it up for Brian. Hurry up, brother. I only got a minute and a half. All right? All right? Now, just for example, let me see, make sure you ain't got on white. You know, fall slow so you don't crease your Jordans. I'm looking out for you. But you're going to be fear. And if I'm a container to glory and I'm on the path and the enemy tries to bring fear next to me, Brian, when I walk past you, I want you to be what happens— I want you to do what happens when the glory comes next to what the enemy tries to set up. That's why we got to be filled with glory, because if he's fear and I have sin, then we connect when our cross. We connect when our paths cross. But if I'm a container of the glory and he's fear, watch what happens to him. Brian, I'm going to need you to fall down. Don't crease your Jordans. But watch what happens. I want to give you this visual. So even though, no matter what speed I'm walking on, if I'm a container of the glory and the enemy tries to set up fear next to me, watch what happens when it gets too close. Did you hear what I just said? And next thing you know, fear is face down. You're supposed to be... Fear is face down because the glory. Somebody give God a shot of praise in this place. Do you hear what I just said? (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) brother. Thank you, my brother. Did you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? I'm telling you right now. You better fill your container with some glory because the enemy's trying to set up something next to you in this season that's gonna end up on his face, not because of your prayer life, but because of your container life. Somebody shout God. I'm telling you right now. And I want you to catch this. That it wasn't a public gathering. I love that we do church on Sundays. I love that we do legacy nights, but this happened in private. There was no crowd. And I want to tell you that what God's presence does in private is just as important as what it does in public. It happened in, in, in private. And here's the thing. When Israel got the Ark of the Covenant back, they were blessed again. Because the blessing came with the presence of God. And I know you're saying, but I see all these people that don't walk with God, and they have blessing. But yes, they have blessing, but they also have sorrow. Because Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow. So when you get blessing with a messed up container, you don't feel good. It's not good enough. And so then the the Philistines moved the presence of God around like a hot potato instead of yielding to it, yielding to it, and saying, no, I'm going to get rid of the idol, not God. It's God that I want, not the the promotion. This is what I contain. I'm a container of what God has called me to contain. And here's the thing about the presence of God, which... Dwells. the Bible says dwells richly in you. If you are container, this is so important that you, that you understand this, is that God, and this is not even a spiritual thing, but love is in oftentimes expressed through presence, being present. If I write my daughter, my daughter loves to play soccer. If I write my daughter a letter and say, have an awesome soccer game, And the letter is so eloquently written that I want her to have fun, that I want her to score a goal, that I'm in her corner, that I'm praying for her. But I'm not there. And I'm not present. I will never be able to fully express love without being present. So then God says, I I I want to show you that I love you by being present. Some of you could have a father who's not in your life, and they send you a birthday gift every year and a Christmas gift every year, but they've never been there. You don't feel loved. So we think that the main way God expresses his love is by giving us what he wants. No, it's his presence. You got to feel loved because God's with you in the fight, not just when you win, but who was there. You had a friend? I remember growing up in San Bernardino, we got jumped by these guys. And I've never been much of a fighter. And unfortunately, neither was the friend I was with that day. (laughs) And boy, but I tell you, we were bold. We were bold. We were believing that we could take these guys. These brothers, I'm telling you, they beat the brakes off of us. Like we couldn't even... I don't even remember what happened. <laughs> they beat us up so bad, we went home, and we had our little bumps and bruises, but we felt luck because we was, we was in the fight together. Yeah. So I didn't feel like he, what, he didn't have my back because he, he couldn't fight. At least he, he was with me. Yeah. I didn't say, hey, you don't love me because you didn't win. No, you were there. Yeah. Yeah. You were there. And so the enemy wants to make you think that God doesn't love you because you don't feel like you're winning, but he, love is primarily expressed through, through presence. And, and, and watch this, though. Watch this. Is, this is the gospel. They said that God will send you a son, Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to stand on your feet. This is so important. This is the gospel. The Bible says that he'll send you a son born of a virgin, Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God was with the disciples. Jesus was with the disciples, with the world. For, for, for three years, he was with them. They did miracles. They, signs and wonders happened. It was awesome. But notice that the disciples never formed a church. The disciples, when Jesus was with them, never experienced what we're experiencing now there was no church there was jesus there was a disciple but there, w- there was the disciples but there was no church because god was just with them and before the church could be formed jesus had to die on the cross for you and i so he could show us that he was for us so it was god with us god for us through the cross because you can't step out into this season you don't know that god is For you. There's this beautiful verse in the Bible where it talks about that the the Pharisees and all the people mocking Jesus says, prove yourself, prove that you are God by pulling yourself down off that cross. And Jesus could have, but he refused because it wasn't about proving he was God in that moment. He had already done that. It was about proving that he was for you. But when did the church start? When did the church start? Jesus was sitting in a circle or hanging out with his disciples in a moment, maybe just like this one. And he breathed on them and said this sentence, receive my spirit. Now I'm not just with you. Now I'm not just for you. Now I'm in you. Now we can start the church. Now we can start the church because now I'm not just with you. That's awesome. I'm not just for you. That's awesome. But now you have become a container for I used to just have to hang around all the time. The church didn't start with people who hung out with Jesus. The church started with people who were filled with him.